Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, Israel's war against Hamas marked just over one month. It's the latest chapter of the decades-long ongoing strife between Israel and Palestine. The present-day suffering of people in the war zone and its impact on others around the world is undeniable, and the roots of the conflict are hotly debated. Today, we have come back to mourn and to grieve over 10,000 Palestinians that have been killed in cold blood, shame! Free, free Gaza! Israel did not start this war. Israel did not want this war. But Israel will win this war. And yet, even during this fighting, the struggle for a peaceful resolution continues. For decades, a number of organizations have been working toward peace in the region, and despite the violence and bitter protests, they remain committed to their efforts. Later in the show, the MacArthur Foundation recently announced its 2023 class of Genius Fellows. They join an exclusive group of former fellows who have demonstrated outstanding talent in their fields. Understand the activity of our genomes, um, but now not just on a one-cell basis, but on collections of millions of one-cells. Meet Dr. Jason Wenrostro, one of four local awardees, part of our series, The Genius Next Door. But first, joining me now, Tim Wilson, advisor to Seeds of Peace and director of the Maine Seeds Programs. Hello, Tim. Hello. Also with me, Aziz Abu Sarah. He's a board member of the American Friends of Combatants for Peace. Hello. Thank you for having us. Also, Gilly Getz, board chair of American Friends of Combatants for Peace. Welcome. Thank you, Kelly. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having us. Well, we we heard the the volatile um, exchanges uh, in that just little piece of sound there, just to remind people as if they need reminding that, you know, these last weeks have, have intensified what we have said is a decades-long ongoing strife. Um, but our focus in this conversation is about something else that's been decades-long, too, and that are efforts to create peace in the region and understanding across uh, groups and fostering dialogue. I I first want to play something that happened right after uh, the attacks on October 7th. Ilan Troen, who's a professor emeritus at Brandeis University here in Boston, lost his daughter and son-in-law in in those attacks. And then he spoke with On Point, um, a local radio program here in town. My grandchildren went to an Arab Jewish school where they learned Arabic and Hebrew. I think that has to be encouraged. But when one sees evidence 
of people who hold contrary views and are willing to use violence against us, I think that we are required, obligated morally, to defend ourselves. So when I heard the professor's um, interview, I was struck about the part about his grandchildren going to an Arab Jewish school, and he mentioned that uh, many times about how um, his daughter and uh, son-in-law, their parents, really wanted them to be part of uh, a new kind of um, community in that region where, where people could talk to each other, and, you know, they were working toward that. So that, of course, made his daughter's death um, even sadder. Um, but we can see uh, in the context of his statement, you know, how difficult it is that even even as he noted that, um, that there is still um, a lot of uh, violence uh, and misunderstanding and um, um, just sadness and tragedy going on uh, because, you know, people have different uh, thoughts about the roots of the conflict. But again, I wanted to pick that out because we're talking about peace efforts. And Tim, I'm going to start with you. You're advisor to a program called Seeds of Peace. It's in Maine. You're the director of Maine Seeds of Peace. So I want you to talk about uh, what drew you to the program, a little bit of explanation about what Seeds of Peace is all about. Long story short, Seeds of Peace was started uh, 30 years ago. It started out as a camp for young men from Egypt, Israel, and the territory of Palestine. I think it's important to note you're not Arab or Jewish, uh, but you've been to Gaza and Israel. Um, other than the fact that it was kind of fortuitous that you ended up where you were, I mean, what con- has continued to draw you to this program? The kids. I mean, that's what everybody knows me for. I mean, I I don't do well with adults. I do well with young people. I mean, I mean when I say that, what it is is I trust young people after we work together and have conversations together. I trust where they're going versus dealing with people who are not necessarily in that place. Uh, and the young people that went through over 8,000 have gone through the program. All right. So I want to give people a sense of what we're talking about. So these young people come, and it's important to emphasize they're 17 years old. So let's let's hear from some of them. Here is a 17-year-old Um, who was an Israeli Seeds of Peace camper. I'm a religious Jew, and I'm from Rehovot, Israel. Growing up, we didn't have that many ideas about Palestinians or the conflict. Once I got older, I started getting more interested in news, and that's when I started hearing about the other side. Now, let's take a listen from a clip from a Palestinian young woman, also 17. I'm Palestinian from Jerusalem. I live in Sheikh Jarrah. We have a lot of problems with Israeli soldiers, governments, because they want to take the land. This whole land, many religious people feel like there's nothing here that you can compromise, and as long as the other side wants that land, there's nothing we can do. So, Tim, just to be clear, are the the kids predisposed in some way? They don't seem to be when you hear that. They seem they came with what we would expect people to have been ingrained with as they grew up, you know, their particular um, perspective. Um, but why do they agree to come? It, it has to do with sometimes it's other kids who've been there before them. I remember it's a, we started in 1993. I've had, I have, I've had a couple grandchildren of some of the leaders of both sides. And there are also schools 
in both sides who wanted their kids to be a part of Seas of Peace because the kids came back with ideas about how to figure out things. And we also had teachers here in a teacher's program to talk about the kinds of curriculum and things that they need to do to make the changes in their schools. What we, um, what I want to get across is that, you know, no one comes uh, thinking I'm already peaceful, so to speak, or I already think, you know, this is something I, you know, they come having to do some work with each other. And just here's a, here's a clip of an example of, you know, what happens when they arrive and really have dialogue with each other. These are two campers talking about how they grew. We sit and we share uh, ideas, opinion. We don't have to accept the other side opinions, just we have to listen to them and to understand. It started off as very loud yelling. I know we have different opinions, but it's okay. I know now that I can listen to them. It was very important for me personally to hear the personal stories. What's bothering me, what I feel, what is my hurt, what is happening back at home. We feel that we are equal. It makes it more possible to talk and to share. Okay, so that's Seeds of Peace campers, young people who've been coming to that camp for many, many years, um, well before this latest iteration of the conflict, talking about some tough issues and where they stood and uh, working toward um, peace. They want to really work through some of the issues and not be, be transformed in a way that they were when they left the camp and went back. Now I'm time to switch over to uh, you, Aziz Abu Sarah. You're a board member of the American Friends of Combatants for Peace and also Gilly Getz, board chair of American Friends of Combatants for Peace. Both of you have different kind of uh, way of uh, getting to the point of wanting to work for peace. The title is very deliberate. Combatants for Peace refers to the fact that both of you were soldiers on either side before. Um, so Aziz, talk to me about what was it that uh, motivated you to want to work for peace? I was definitely uh, radicalized uh, on the other side. My brother was killed when I was uh, 10 years old. And so as I watch what's happening right now, uh, especially in Gaza, I, I can think uh, of a lot of kids who growing up the way I grew up. Uh, when my brother was killed, I was uh, very angry. I was very bitter and uh, for me, it felt that vengeance and hurting people on the other side becomes the only path. If somebody kills your relative, if somebody kills your brother and all even your neighbor, I think this becomes the way you think, especially when you are a child. You think there is no alternative. Uh, there is no other way. And for eight years, uh, that was my life. I was very active uh, in anything from throwing rocks to writing, to mobilizing, to protesting, to anything you can imagine to, to seek that vengeance. And it only changed uh, when I was 18 years old, when I met uh, Israelis who were not soldiers for the first time. Look, for 18 years, the only Israelis and Jews I've ever met growing up were soldiers and settlers who I've had conversations with. And that's the reality I think we have today is we, we don't know each other, we don't meet. And only when I met people who, who weren't and we started talking and we realized how ignorant we are and how we've been sold this false uh, narrative and premise 
that if you Palestinian, you only support Palestinians. If you Jewish, you only support Israel and that it's us versus them. And we realized this is not a true um, reality. We can be Israelis and Palestinians on the same side, fighting for justice, fighting for equality, fighting for freedom for both of our people and fighting for security of both of our people, that we, the ones who have gone through so much, whether people who fought and people who um, got traumatized, people who spent, many of our members spent uh, time in prison on the Palestinian side. Um, we don't need to work against each other. We can work together for Palestinians having freedom, for Israelis having freedom and security. I think both both of us not enemies. And that's what brought us together. That's what brought me here. So Gilly Yetz, as I understand, you were inspired by attending a joint memorial ceremony. Um, and it's been an annual one for a number of years. I just want to play a clip from this ceremony that ha this has been happening. Um, and it's in Arabic, and I'm going to translate on the other side. So this is a clip from the Israeli-Palestinian Memorial Day ceremony this past April. ישראלים ופלסטינים, כולנו ביחד זוכרים ומזכירים שהמלחמה איננה גזרת גורל, שאנחנו לא רק קורבנות הסכסוך, אלא גם מחולליו, ולכן ביכולתנו גם לשים לו סוף. He says, Israeli and Palestinian, all of us together remember and remind that war is not a decreed fate, that we are not only victims of the conflict, but also its creators, so we can also put an end to it. This was very powerful for you, Gilly, to um, motivate you to get involved in the peace movement. Absolutely. The memorial ceremony, uh, as well as the movement, was a leap of faith. Uh, where uh, combatants uh, uh, from uh, both sides uh, took a great leap of faith and met each other, not knowing uh, what's going to happen. Uh, um, and uh, that leap of faith led to the creation of the movement. First uh, year was uh, in secret. Uh, talks were in secret as uh, they were navigating uh, uh, how uh, even to do that. Uh, uh, and... Uh, the joint memorial ceremony where we mourn our dead together, uh, where we come with the families uh, of the uh, who paid the highest price uh, for this conflict and lost loved ones uh, on both sides, uh, started as a small event with about 70 people in a small theater. And over the years, it's grew and grew and grew and now became the largest uh, uh, memorial event uh, uh, in Israel on Memorial Day and the biggest uh, joint peace event uh, in the region. So as the situation is becoming extremely dire, uh, uh, we keep holding on that light of humanity uh, and hope uh, and togetherness. Uh, the movement is innovating and cultivating and organizing uh, joint nonviolent resistance uh, to the occupation. Uh, it requires deep transformation. It's extremely radical for both societies to do it, especially in this time. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me are Tim Wilson, advisor to Seeds of Peace, Aziz Abu Sarah, board member of American Friends of Combatants for Peace, and Gilly Getz, board chair of American Friends of Combatants for Peace. We're discussing how organizations are working towards peace in Israel and Palestine, despite the current conflict. So Combatants for uh, Peace 
the only movement worldwide, we should note, founded by former fighters on both sides of an active conflict, and you were nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2017 and 2018. Uh, I want my listeners to hear from uh, some of the folks who are a part of the movement who were former soldiers. Here are two of them. As an officer in the Israeli Defense Forces, it was my duty to defend my country. I participated in the military occupation of Palestinian people. I saw that what I was doing in the army was only giving rise to more violence and hate. As a Palestinian fighter, I was part of the armed resistance against the Israeli occupation. I came to understand that my actions only brought more violence. I knew I could no longer take part in it. So I want to talk to all of you now about um, how you keep going um, and focused. I mean, you've all been very clear that that's exactly what you're going to do. You represent a lot of other people who are a part of your programs and who continue to support you. Um, but when uh, there is a war that's going on that as as intense as it is, um, I'll note that one of you pointed out Jews have only experienced the bloody days, uh, these kinds of bloody days since the Holocaust and Palestinians in Gaza have, uh, are only feeling the horror of more explosions in Gaza than a year of NATO bombing of Afghanistan. So it's unfathomable, you know, what is happening at the scale that it's happening. Will this destroy your movement, Aziz, Gilly, Tim? I'll start with you, uh, Aziz. Absolutely not. Uh, we've already been talking, uh, members of our organization has been talking. I think we've done a lot of work um, to build trust, build relationships uh, that can help us stand in this time together instead of becoming so tribal and go back to being just Israeli or Palestinian. I think if anything, watching what's happening now makes us feel we need to work harder together. Uh, because what's the alternative? It's it's death, it's destruction, it's um, it's what we see now. What we see today is because we haven't yet succeeded in bringing peace and bringing an end to the occupation, bringing an end to this conflict. So it it will not bring destruction to our organization. It's important to say we've gone through some hard time as an organization, even soon after our founding. I remember when one of our members' daughter was was shot when she was 10 years old by some Aramean daughter, and he was one of the founders of the organization. And honestly, we did not know if the organization would survive that, and, and we did. There have been a lot of violence before, and we've had to sit together as organization, as members of the organization, and, and figure out what do we do. And what we realized through all of this What's happening today is a proof that violence is not the answer, that coming together is the right path, that if we continue shooting at each other, killing each other, assuming that with enough bombs we'll bring peace, assuming with occupation we'll bring peace, assuming with uh, armed resistance you'll bring peace, it's just for 75 years that has never worked. It is insane that we think more deaths and more suffering can work today. And we've had, like I said, we've had a few meetings already. I've talked to people like Gilis and Israeli and Palestinian. I don't think for a minute through all of this, we've seen each other just as Israeli and Palestinian. 
we don't see each other on the opposite sides. And many people in our movement are the same. We don't see our ourselves on opposite sides. We we together in this, we feel the pain. The Israelis in the organization, just like Gili spoke, feel the pain of the Palestinians in Gaza, don't want um, this, this violence to continue. And the Palestinians in the organization also feel the pain of the Israelis and what happened on, on October 7th. Um, we cry together, we mourn together, and we hope for a better, better days together. Would you weigh in? You know, there was a concern in the beginning uh, after uh, October 7th, can the movement hold? Because the movement has been around for a while, it, it did develop uh, a, 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 this muscle and there was a confidence of the, 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 the staying together. Uh, despite uh, not knowing uh, what to do, uh, not knowing uh, what to say, uh, but not knowing together, uh, uh, keep the dialogue going, keep the conversations uh, happening. Uh, What is so uh, important uh, for me is that I get to uh, sit with my Palestinian friends and hear what they see, what they feel. They get to hear what I see and what I feel. We see different TVs, we have different social medias, we have different traumas. We, uh, but being together, we can we can have a space where uh, 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 it, that is very radical for our societies right now, but is extremely uh, it, it, trying to be healing and informative in what the societies are going through, and together figure out what is the best uh, way forward. Uh, how should we as a movement? together uh, uh, think about uh, uh, the extraordinary difficult realities our communities are going through and um, I am uh, you know it it just it just the one spot of light uh, uh, in in this horror that we're going through is that for, for me personally is that the movement is holding uh, the movement is growing we have more and more people that come to meetings right now and a lot of them say we don't know what to do but we know that we want to be here and and, and many people have their uh, entire reality completely shaken and uh, to its very core so everybody's confused and scared and and and, and uh, 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 very much in deep deep grief uh, but uh, this space that the movement is created and cultivated uh, together with its activism and education and uh, activity and ceremonies uh, is uh, a space where uh, we want to hold on to our humanity. And as uh, one of our activists say, we're the last people in this land that believe in humanity first and believe in hope and believe that there is a better way, we will be the last ones, but we will never give that up in the movement, in the friendships, in the deep, deep connections uh, are holding, they're holding strong. Uh, we believe more than ever before that there is another way. And Tim, um, literally, the kids that are coming to you are seeds because they're young. So um, there are many alum, as you pointed out, 800 or 8,000 kids total have gone through the camp. What happens? What has happened? I know you've heard from them. Has it shaken them from their their goal, um, the way that they felt when they left the camp. The kids are uh, resilient, but 
the people that are on the ground there are working with the same way, working with kids, their parents. They're, they want peace. They want to get through this. They're trying to figure out what happens when it stops. What are we going to do? They have different ideas, plus their friends from Egypt or Jordan or South Asia, where we have kids in India, Pakistan. These kids are talking back and forth about how, how they see things and where they think they ought to go. They have goals. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're looking at long range. What is it? What what's the Middle East and their territories that are around them going to look like because of this? I can't tell you. I'm not there twenty four seven. I can't tell you what their parents are going through, their friends are going through. I can only try to help through giving the kids who are part of our program the strength and the knowledge of how to do things in a, in a very meaningful way in their communities. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm here with Tim Wilson, advisor to Seeds of Peace, Aziz Abu Sarah, board member of American Friends of Combatants for Peace, and Gilly Getz, board chair of American Friends of Combatants for Peace. We're talking about decades-long efforts to build bridges between Israelis and Palestinians. So many people, last question, um, will listen to this conversation and say, all of you all are kind of naive that um, it's too big, it's too hard, um, it's entrenched, it's, you know, decades long, and, you know, you'll never get to peace. Maybe you'll get to... um, less violence but 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 peace is you know you're kind of being silly if you think you're going to get there I, I just love your response because I think a lot of people look at folks who are working in organizations or or on the ground working for efforts in this way and they wonder um you know what keeps you motivated or convinced that you know this is the way look I'm 82 years old okay I'm at the end of my time and for 30 years, I've been involved in this, but I was involved in it long before that. I've been traveling in and out of the Middle East since 1965. I cannot give up. I can't give up. There are too many people that I've met over the years who, uh, who helped me as a man to understand things as I was dealing with things in this country. I mean, there's just so many things that I look at it as I can't do it. I can't. I don't care if a person tells me naive or not. I was there with bus bombings. I was there in 2003. I was there in 2005 and six and seven. I mean, what I'm trying to say is I've seen what some people think they know. They don't know. I believe that young people can help and make a difference if they're given the tools they won't make the same mistakes that their elders made i believe in that and i always will believe in that. And, and 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 i whatever i have left in me i'm still gonna battle i'm not giving up i will not give up why do you, how do you answer people who say you're naive and either one of you can start 
I can say that, you know, just for me as an Israeli Jew, uh, for example, Germany has butchered my people in the Holocaust in profound ways that define the very, our very existence. Uh, today, more Israelis are in Germany. The, the relationships between the countries only a few decades later are uh, an incredible uh, relationship of friendship. And um, uh, there's a big Israeli uh, thriving uh, community and not speak a Jewish community uh, in uh, Germany today. I think we shouldn't limit ourselves to what is possible. It is possible, although history has shown us time and time again, that it is possible to bring about peace to intractable, so perceived intractable uh, uh, conflicts. And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. We're facing extremist ideologies of supremacy and, 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 and fanaticism uh, on both sides. Uh, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's important we do recognize the imbalance of power in this conflict and the mass asymmetry of this conflict. But this consciousness of hate of supremacy and extremism uh, is something that we are combating by offering an alternative, an alternative that we hope with time uh, people realize is a better way uh, 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 for all of us, uh, that it's the us versus them paradigm they promised to deliver on security and well-being is now destroying everything. Not only it's launched into a war and calamity provided no security, the entire state is now collapsing. There's no social, you know, so services, the government is not present. It's failing its own people. And I would say Hamas is failing its people. They are, have not delivered uh, on better uh, way forward. Uh, and we think there's a thirst uh, for both in both societies uh, going forward something better and to bring that something better about uh we have to create a movement on the ground we have to create a consciousness that is a, a joint consciousness uh that can show the way uh uh, uh that uh, this is possible uh create the reality of the ground uh to bring about uh what history is teaching us and my tradition is teaching me is possible and is really the best way forward uh, for both people in this uh, decades-long uh, bloody uh, conflict, Aziz, uh, there's a lot, a lot that goes into that question, and honestly, a, a lot of times we get it from people, I would call uh, armchair uh, critics who are angry, who are really mad right now, but don't know what to do, and I, I, I get that. I get a feeling so disappointed of of even the peace movement in this moment. But it's important to say that where we invest, we get results. The world in all its powers has not invested in peace. It has not invested in the work we are doing. This is a few of us standing against literally governments, standing against the United States power, which you know is investing $14 billion in weapons this, this month, but has done nothing to promote really peace it it was not even a priority uh same for the israeli government same for the world if if we are honest so yeah we may be naive but we're the only ones trying to come to 
to a real solution. We're the only ones trying to make it work. All that investment in war and weapons have led us to more destruction. That's more naive, in my opinion. Those who are advocating that bombing more Gaza or killing more Israeli civilians will get us to peace. I can't imagine how naive that is because we've tried that. For 75 years, we have, that's exactly how it was, war after war. And yet it led to nothing. So we keep investing in the same way expecting a different result is the expulsion of palestinians from their villages in the west bank that's not naive that that's not going to lead to more violence that's happening today everyone's watching very few people are speaking uh look where there is no hope there is no vision and i think people like us right now are the only ones are creating hope and creating vision and when there is no vision people perish that's actually what the Bible said, the Hebrew Bible. And that's that's what we see today. People lacking hope, people lacking vision, and that leads to more violence and more destruction. We are bringing that vision, not just in a naive way of us sitting and eating hummus together and, and liking each other. Like, like Gili said, this is a joint resistance movement that brings Israelis and Palestinians to do things together, to stand against injustice together. We need more people to join us. We need more people to believe in this. We need this to become the mainstream thinking. That's a way out. So far, we're still small, but we at least bring some hope. Well, I want to thank you all for joining me for this very important conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Tim Wilson is the advisor to Seeds of Peace and director of the Maine Seeds Programs. Aziz Abu Sarah is a board member of American Friends of Combatants for Peace, and Gilly Getz is the board chair of American Friends of Combatants for Peace. Coming up, cellular and molecular biologist Dr. Jason Benrostro studies the mechanisms that turn on genes, the units of heredity that make up our DNA, and he's recently been named to the 2023 class of MacArthur Genius Grant Fellows. He's one of four local awardees, part of our series we call The Genius Next Door. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.